What up, my B-words? This is Jason with Existential Realities, or the ER. Um, we have a full party with us right now, so let's go around the room. Uh, as usual, we have Cody with us. What's up, guys? Tyler. Yo. We have our returning special guest from the last episode, Tracy. Hey. And we have two new guests. If they would like to introduce themselves, let's start with you. Hey, what's up, guys? I'm Barr. Nothing special, man. Just bar. <laughs> <laughs> and our special guest for our second segment, we yeah. have Tori. Hi. Uh, full name is Victoria. Go by Tori. Two R's, one E. I work directly with Cody and Tyler and bar a little bit on the side, right? Wouldn't you say? No. No. Kind of. I mean, I see him every now and then. From Jacksonville, Florida. Like <laughs> yeah, like he's... <laughs> no, 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 no. <laughs> I'm really happy to be here. Can't wait to be on more podcasts. Super excited for this episode. Excellent, excellent, excellent. Well, today's a special episode. We're special. Yeah, it's going to be a, a little heavy, but we'll try to keep up the levity of it. We're going to um, get in our feels. Yes, get in definitely. Our feels. Um, this topic is going to be over anxiety, how we feel about it, um, uh, how we. Uh, essentially, we're going to describe uh, our experiences with anxiety and possibly how to rectify or handle it. So I'll just open it up. What would you guys, or how would you guys define anxiety? Anxiety? Yeah. Well, from my perspective um, and from my understanding, anxiety is really just root, rooted from you wanting to have control where you don't and you really need that control and you can't control it. Mm -hmm. And that's where anxiety comes from. Mm -hmm. um, that could be any like daily situation where, you know, something happens and you don't have control of it, knowing you want control that can send you to an anxiety like fit. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I mean, it's very broad and I'm going to use the word like trigger. What can like trigger people's mm -hmm. anxiety? I'm just, I'm just saying, honestly, I mean, it's a, it's a huge, it's a small word that has a lot of different, what's the word I'm looking for? Well, ways yeah. of like, Very it, yeah, exactly. Like, Well, there's actually three different kinds of categories on anxiety. Um, and we can get into that later after we define what we define as anxiety. But there's OCD. Yes. There's general anxiety disorder or GA. That's, you know, what generally people, whenever they have anxiety or they feel like they have anxiety, that's uh, what it is. It's like social anxiety? Yeah. Um, and the third one is phobias. Uh, because they say it's actually fear is the root of anxiety. Okay. You're scared of something. But I would agree with Cody with control. But that's the yeah. thing is you're scared of not having control over right. the situation. Right. And mentally something's blocking you because of that fear. But, absolutely. Then, but I feel like when you say it like that, though, it's like... Uh, just because I don't like a situation, therefore I'm afraid of something. You know, I, you may I be afraid like, of the outcome. I don't right. like a situation you have no control over. Well, then everybody lives in fear because nobody's everybody's has some uncertainty of outcomes. And I feel like everybody has some form of anxiety. Right. And I feel but, like it's a natural process. Right. I just feel like that wouldn't fear for me, especially mm -hmm. me. It wouldn't be fear. It's it's anxiety. You don't have any fear. phobias. Well, it's oh, also I definitely have phobias. Fuck spiders. Okay. Like, so you and Jason are... Spiders give me anxiety because of fear, <laughs> but my... Because you don't know the outcome. My like separation said. anxiety, mm -hmm. I wouldn't say that's, that's fear. I don't think that's rooted in fear. I think that's rooted in love. You have separation anxiety with spiders? Charlotte's Web was a very touching story. <laughs> well, is that a, a fear of being alone? 
I'm not afraid of being alone. Alone makes me uncomfortable sometimes, but I don't discom- I don't see discomfort as fear. I guess that's the, that's the thing. I don't see it as. But fear. you, uh, why are you, why are you suffering from that discomfort? Because I'm uncomfortable with it. I don't know how to explain that. Like, well, how do you explain like discomfort? Well, let me let me with those. Those are disorders. So you might not have a debilitating fear of something. Therefore, you don't have a phobia of it. With what I just listed, those were, those are specific disorders with it. Everyone has anxiety. Yes. That's a, that's a normal yeah, thing. Uh-huh. Like everyone gets embarrassed. Everyone gets nervous. Yeah. Everyone gets anxious. Deal so. with it different ways. Yes. Yeah. Well, and for, express it in different yeah. ways. Absolutely. Like Bar Tyler, uh, what do you guys think? As far as how you would define anxiety, I wouldn't really say I have a definition. To be honest with, you. it's more of a feeling for me. Mm-hmm. Um, again, most people would. Like say anxiety is that, that constant weight on your chest that someone's just standing above you and just like, hey, again, it's more of a control thing. So for me, I, I wouldn't define anxiety because it, it's a broad spectrum of things. Yeah. So I mean, it's hard, like, like trying to define mood versus well, a feeling because it affects people in different ways. Yeah. For me, I, I have anxiety when I'm like public speaking, which is very common. I understand that. But the thing about me is it is on my face immediately. My cheeks get super red. People can tell. Yeah. People can tell. They're extremely red right now, guys. I know. Everyone, (laughs) guys, I'm suffering right now. That's just because she's white. Oh, no. Hey. Sorry. Hey. No, too soon. I'm getting it. No, I, but the thing that, the thing that bothers me the most about the anxiety that I have when it comes to like like presenting something to somebody is that I get so in like internally like messed up with the like the thought of actually doing it or speaking in front of people and then at the end of the day I go home and I'm like why did I let myself get to that point Mm -hmm. I know that I'm capable of doing this I know what I'm talking about whatever topic I'd have to present to somebody and then the whole ordeal just ends up really bad because I let myself get to that point and it doesn't have to be that way so for me it's the feeling of i feel like i have to handle everything at once i know all these different things that need to happen i know what i need to do but like even if i don't necessarily know how to do it i know that it needs to get done and so all these tasks pile up on me and i just see them all kind of standing over me like a big crowd like I'm on the ground and there's a big crowd looking down at me, expecting me to get up in a manner that will push the crowd away. And so that overwhelming task is which, which one do I handle first? Where do I even start? Like, and it kind of puts me in the spot of like, I don't want to start because I, I don't know how, but it's once I find to like, just pick one branch out, handle it, yeah. branch out, handle it, set a ta- I, I make lists. I love lists yeah. because when I see it on the paper and I cross something off, kind the of list gets smaller. To control. Each time smaller, yeah. each time smaller. It is that feeling of control, that lack of control that Cody said. I do yeah. agree with him. But once I organize it, prioritize it, and then execute, I start making that list smaller and it becomes less overwhelming. It's manifested. It's in front of me. I see this big list. And as it gets smaller, so do my problems. Yeah. Well, that's a little different when you have anxiety stemming from trauma. Yes. Like you said, triggers. Mm-hmm. You cannot yes. help the triggers that other people present to mm-hmm. you. No. And it's, it becomes all about how you deal with it because I realize I don't have control over what other people do. Right. 
I just have to do what I can control, and that's my reaction to it. Yes, right. which is often hard. Yeah, you can't you can't control your feelings about a certain thing. Those are they just happen, but your actions and how you deal with it or handle it, manage it. Um, that's all on you. And that's yeah. the part. That's that's the control part. That's the power you have yeah. over that. But it's also hard. You don't have control over the way. Like some people will just never understand why you react the way that you do to certain because well, everybody's journey is different exactly so that's hard in that sense you don't have control over like you said people and the things that they do and that could really get to you and create this whole anxiety attack or go into like a deep panic attack yeah oh yeah and those are no, really i mean i'm sure i'm not the only one that's just you know after work you go to your car and you just sit there and you're like what the fuck yeah. Like that was the fucking hardest day yeah. ever because like Tyler was saying, you just get so much on your list and then you feel like you have no control because you don't even know where to start. And then they expect you to do all of these things. And how can you put your best product out there when you've got all this shit you got to do and you're in this time crunch and you just feel like, what the fuck? I feel like I perform better under pressure because it keeps my mind off my feelings. Mm, yeah. So we can go, we can go off that. Uh, do you guys think, Anxiety, not as a disorder, but anxiety itself, is a good thing. It it can push you, yes. In a matter of, like as she said, is feeling anxious in certain types of jobs, or um, say say a cop. Mm-hmm. Uh, it, that's a good thing because keeping you on your toes, keeping you having that anxious feeling like I got, I got to go, I got to go, I got to go, I got to go. You got to pay attention. Yeah, it, it'll keep you going. But again, it can still collide with each other knowing that, hey, I got to go help my buddy over there or whatever. But I'm stuck here because my, my body won't move itself because I'm so anxious that I'm in fear of what may happen. But knowing that. I'm going to just keep pushing myself forward. Right. I, I have a weird way of words. Hopefully that made sense. But <laughs> no, no, I get, I get you. No, that made sense. I do see it as a survival mechanism. It, it definitely something about that. That's, it's it, adrenaline. It, it's, it's it, a, it, I wouldn't it, say adrenaline. I'd say more of it's just a survival mechanism where you're always thinking about what's going to happen next mm-hmm. and what you can control and what you can't. That's what that anxiety is. But I do see it as the way you describe it as potentially dangerous, especially being a cop, like that anxiety can put you on the wrong side of the edge, you know? What do you know about that, Cody? Well, <laughs> I am a cop, so. <laughs> um, but like, you don't want to go into a situation and with anxiety and like something's going to go wrong, something's going to go wrong, something's going to go wrong, and you're going to react to something going exactly the way it's supposed you to created go. created exactly. the existence. Create, yeah. yeah, then you create that problem. Um, but I get that. I do get that. It's a control thing. Um, but for me, like I never understood why I had anxiety and I think they gave me more anxiety. Mm-hmm. Like, because I, everybody does. And like, when I went through my panic attacks, it was like, why the fuck are you doing this? Why are you feeling this way? Get the fuck over it. You just gotta get past it. And it just fucking made it worse. Like, Which I, I hate understand that. that. Well, because you were focusing on it. Uh, I mean, I hate that. Somebody's in a spot to where they're, they're, they're panicked. And your only response is, we'll just get over it. Oh, shit, why didn't I think of that? Oh, that's such a good response. I should definitely just get over it. No. that's So I guess there's a question I want to pose of if you see someone going through a panic attack or they're kind of in a moment of anxiety and they're lost amongst themselves, how would you approach them to try to bring them back to ground zero? I think 
Cody and I have a huge moment with that. I mean, at work, I mean, I literally had to sit there and teach people how to like react in an active shooter. And I've been in the military for not even two years. And I'm literally presenting this to people who are probably, yeah, have been there, done that, and probably have been involved in some kind of active shooter. And I was super nervous. I was having a panic attack because Cody was kind of like, you got to do this. You got to break that barrier. You got to get through it. And everything that he would say is still didn't help. Cause I was like, I can't get past this mental barrier to, to like recuperate from recover from this anxiety that I'm having. I just never got there. I never did. There, there are techniques in order to focus oneself or center oneself. It's usually during focusing on one specific thing and then focusing on another. Yeah. So um, another thing is like focusing on your breathing, name yeah. five things in the room that are brown. This name sounds very educationally based for you. Well, <laughs> I have a little bit of a background, but it's yeah. Crazy. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah essentially what, at least what I've been taught is because you're, you're, first of all, you're going, your body is reacting to this. You know, your right. chest is clenched, can't yes. breathe, start sweating. So, so whatever is already causing that anxiety. Now you're going through all this. Now it's, Oh my God, this is making me more anxious. And I'm, I'm dying now. And what it is, is that, you're just supposed to refocus. All right, this yeah. is happening. I have to let it happen, <laughs> but let me focus on other things yeah. that don't make me anxious. Yeah, I wish it was that easy. I, it is not. Well, it's not I, easy. I, by I feel like everybody has. Right. I feel like everybody has their unique process for dealing with anxiety. Mm -hmm. I don't believe that you can put everybody into a box and take these, yeah. you know, three steps and it'll work for you because everybody is different. So if I had a friend who was struggling with their anxiety. I would just be there, not yeah, offer absolutely. so much of what works for me because it could be completely different for them yeah. and just be there for the ride. Because I feel like it's like you just got to get over that one hump, like a roller coaster, put your arms up on the way down and then you're good. So like moving in, I wanted to bring up OCD because I feel like people don't realize the severity or the seriousness of OCD. It's more yeah. of a joke in, mm -hmm. in general for the general public like if someone's like super organized super neat oh they must be ocd versus someone who has to wash their hands 15 times every yeah, time they use very, the bathroom or turn it off on and off a light switch three times each mm -hmm. and it has to be in the down position when it lands mm -hmm. that specific thing can drive someone so mad that they will hate themselves and scratch their skin off mm -hmm. yeah that's because crazy. the action wasn't completed that task cannot be crossed off yeah I mean, not knowing if anyone here has uh, OCD, but like, have you guys ever had, did I lock that door? But I, oh yeah, no, but I, yeah. I do it all the time. I'll literally click my yeah. button on my car like seven times. I think, there, I think everyone right has their, well, their own little moments. Locks it. only keep out on us people. Like if I'm washing the dishes and this hand's wet, I gotta get this hand wet. Mm -hmm. Or so just some, anything that's like super weird. But you don't feel minor. impending doom yeah. if you don't get it. So no, that, that would be the disorder. Like, but like, why do you feel like that other hand needs to get wet? I don't know. I never even thought about it. Or like Simples. if I drop something on the floor and I'm like, you know what? I'm going to, this might not even fucking be OCD. But if I drop something, I'm like, I'm just going to leave it there. Then something in the back of my head's like, you need to go back there and pick that shit up. You're just being lazy. Like every part of me goes back picks it up because I just can't walk away from it and no and it's not like 
don't know. I feel like everyone has their own little things that they have to do because something inside of them is telling them to go back on. So you say impulse. Would you maybe say it's kind of like a pattern, like a ritual, if you will? Like um, it just comes naturally. Like I've always had both my hands wet. If I only have one hand wet, I need to do that because that's yeah. what make, makes it feel normal. Yeah, right. I, I think it. that that nails it right on top of the head because it's just something that you're so used to. You know, you're not used to just. First off, who the fuck just sticks one hand? In I'm just saying, like, if you're if no, you're no, going I'm, not, I'm, not, I'm not going at you. I'm just saying that's just a <laughs> There's weird. There's been thing. certain times. This is a I've weird thing. Like, I'm just gonna wash my hand with, or wash my dishes. With or like, I'm gonna rinse this one cup hand off with one hand. The other. Yeah. I need this to get is strange to me. Yeah, right. <laughs> similar to like, if you're about to leave your house, right? Do you put on one sock and then that shoe, or both socks and then both shoes? No, that's right. exactly like I can't walk around with one sock on. That is so fucking. Or weird. have you <laughs> ever have you ever given someone a high five, super fucking hard, and you're like, fuck, now you got to even it out. I got to get this hand. Oh yeah, I can you do that? No, I've never. No? Okay, maybe I'm fucking. <laughs> yeah, that's. You just, just want to touch me quick. Don't high five her. We're trying to equal out the pain. Like this hurts. Let this hurt. Back to your impulse thing. Actually, when I was a kid, I had a nervous tick. And my brother always made fun of me for it because I looked like a rooster. But my tick was that I had, if I was ever nervous, I had to like cock my head three times. And it would always be like, like I always had to like pop my neck, cock, like cock my neck. His, he's wrapping his uh, neck and head around for those who can't see it. Just forward and back. Like, Imagine like a rooster. Turkey. No, honestly, like... <laughs> like that's what it looked like and my brother thought it was the funniest thing but my mom was like that's not good like that's a bad habit and so i never got like checked out mom was always against that but because she was a nurse so she diagnosed me herself and brought me back around to where she was like he'll grow out of it but eventually I got to the point where i would do it she's like why are you nervous and then we would talk about it and she was like so what makes you nervous about it and then we would talk about the root problem you said what makes her uncomfortable with it no, it was, she just wanted to find out, like, I know that's what he does when he's nervous. What's making you nervous? And I would tell her, and then we would talk about the root problem. And then once we got to the root problem, she would always ask me, like, is there anything you can do about it? And the answer was always no. Mm-hmm. Like, no, there's nothing I can do you about feel it. Like you have like, so to that's do why it. you feel upset. It goes back to Cody's control thing. And I was like, yeah. And she's like, there's some things you just can't control. If you can recognize that you can't control it, why would you let it eat you? So... Would you guys say you understand the difference between the situations that you brought up and the actual disorder? So the difference, yeah. absolutely. So, like with the actual disorder, their uh, rituals, like they feel they have to do it, or the world will just blow up. Exactly. It's not that hey, get over it, or just stop that. Like I need to do this, or something mm-hmm, bad's yeah, gonna yeah. happen to my father, yeah. or exactly. um, I'm it's, I'm not gonna have a good day, or or anything like that. So would would you guys understand that? Yeah, I can't even imagine what those people are going through trying to deal with something that's so crippling. Mm-hmm. I I just can't even I I can't even put it into perspective because something like me having to get this hand wet is just nothing compared to me having to like wash my hand a hundred times and then even that's not good enough because it's just my head. I just feel like my hands aren't clean, my hands are cleaner. Mm-hmm. Whatever, I just can't imagine what those people have to go through on a day-to-day basis. Or, or even with phobias, because even phobias are oh, taken. They're, they they're like, oh, yeah, you're scared of spiders or whatever. That's not a real phobia. Like, for me, I yeah. just don't like them. But if there's, like, a spider and they they have anxiety, they have their panic attacks, like, they can't be in the room 
or even something as an as irrational as an object with holes in them. Like yeah, I actually did hear like about those that. Are, I used to not even be able to look at pictures of spiders mm-hmm. um, because it would throw me into a panic attack. Mm-hmm. And um, I learned eventually that phobias are an irrational fear. Yes. And a lot of times the way to get through it is to educate yourself about what you're afraid of. Mm-hmm. So, Do you guys think uh, immersion therapy is a good way to... Yeah. To handle phobias. Is immersion no. therapy where they like Fuck. put you? Yeah. yeah. So like oh, you're afraid God. of snakes. They're going to lay you down in a tank and cover you in snakes. Not right away. <laughs> I honestly like think a slow immersion. I think it depends <laughs> on the person. Snake. I think snake. most people naturally would probably be absolutely horrified. But there may be that one person that can go through it however many times. And then maybe better with something that they had an absolute phobia of. You know, like a fear of. Whether it be spiders. I mean, I can't imagine. I would be absolutely horrified. But so, like, with the you things, never know. The things that we describe anxiety, like, how would you guys, or what would you guys suggest with with for someone who is trying to handle their anxieties? See, when I want to give advice, I I want to tell them how I handle it, mm-hmm. and that's not to say that you know I know that this will solve your problem. It's to say like this is how I handle it. This works for me, but I always go back to, hey, here's an option. Everybody has outlets. Everybody has ways to deal with anxiety. Um, for me, probably not the healthiest option, but I, I'm like, now, now that I know how to handle it the way I think it's best for me, I jump into it. I say, okay, you're having, this is anxiety. You're having a panic attack. This is why you're having a panic attack. Own it. Feel yeah, it. exactly. Just just get into it and just ride it out. Like that's the best option for me. And I'm not saying that's the best option for everybody. Marky Mark would agree. Marky Mark. <laughs> feel it. Feel it. God damn it. I think it, I think it starts with you. You know, that you do have outlets, yes, absolutely. But in order to get the help that you really need, you have to be able to understand exactly where it's stemming from, what mm. you know, what's causing it, what are you actually going through in the moment when you're having these anxiety attacks. Using those outlets and being able to tell them, hey, you know, this is me. This is what happens. I haven't been able to control it. That's where you're really going to probably make a complete turnaround. Uh, Do you have anything, Barr? Well, my anxiety is a little bit different. Like I, Cody knows, like a lot of mine stems from a multitude of other things, but I, I know where mine stems from. Mine stems from like childhood. Like mm-hmm. uh, now we're getting to our feels here. Um, my parents, they used to like get physical and stuff like that. I'm not saying like beat each other up, you know, mm-hmm. but it, there's been some times where, you know, I've seen my brothers get thrown on the steps, so on and so forth. So uh, maybe you might see it tonight, but with my anxiety, I, my, my brain runs faster than my, I mean, my mouth runs faster than my brain and I stutter and I had a stutter until I was like, <laughs> I don't know, middle school. Mm-hmm. So when I'm speaking of anyone, depending on who they are, I'm just like, okay, gotta think, stop, okay, okay, think, 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 and then speak. And then if I screw it all up, and then wham, I get hit with that. I'm like, oh shit, I, I don't want to speak anymore. I, I, I just want to stop. And, and and then it's anxiety. I, I just, I don't know how else to explain it. It's just a, t- a takeover of your whole body. Yeah. Um- I don't know if it leads into that very well, but I've noticed a trend about completely trying to numb 
anxiety. Trying to whether medicate, it's clinical or just I feel like there is a normal amount of anxiety that most humans go through in their mm-hmm. life in certain situations. But um, I've had a lot of family members and everything who who see any anxiety it's as too much. N- too much, and they they medicate it heavily. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I was like, but some you're naturally supposed to feel. That's true, Tyler. Yeah. So, I guess to kind of just wrap it up, I know like like Bar said, like mine is different from everybody else's, but anyone else's is different from someone next to them. So, I mean, the best way that I can learn to kind of control it, and with my thing is, it's definitely my vice is either the gym or music, and it's it's all about just knowing what brings you back to that kind of happy place, mm-hmm. like what what makes you comfortable. Yeah, music for sure. And then we just start to find out those hobbies or, or traits that make you comfortable. I would say it's three things. Uh, don't ignore it. Acknowledge it. Find a good support structure. Pe- people who, well, <laughs> no. 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 <laughs> uh, a good support now. structure for people to support you during this time. And, of course, seek professional help if needed. But with that, uh, we're going to transition into our second segment with Tori, and we'll be right back. All right, so quickly we're going to go into a segment with our special guest, Tori. Hello. Um, One thing we want to discuss is music, and we'll have a separate podcast where we discuss music in depth and what it means to us and all the different ways to explore it. But today we're specifically going to let Tori tell us about her musical tastes and what she might use it for if she ever needs to get through the day or, or what have you. So yes, you well, definitely invite me to the music podcast. I'd love to be a part of that. Uh, so first I just like to say, I have a crazy taste in music. I literally have a playlist with like 400 songs That's awesome. and I've built it over like a three, four year period on Spotify. And I never play it around people because one second you'll be listening to like Whitney Houston and the next second it's like Iron Maiden. And it's just so. I don't know. I mean, I get what you're saying. Like normally when there's like playlists, because I have like on my Spotify, I have playlists that are titled almost by like moods or occasions. So the songs kind of revolve around that general feel or vibe. But I think it's kind of cool to have that too, where you might be listening to something and be in one mood and you hear something else and still appreciate that song, even though it doesn't match with what you Yeah. Well, and you know, I should definitely do that, start sorting out my kind of playlist because, you know, I'll be in kind of a mood where I want to listen to something sad because I'm feeling sad or just kind of calm and don't want anything crazy. And then all, all of a sudden it's like. I have one that's like overwhelming. And like, like overwhelmingly, uh, okay. I really want to just be in my mood, not necessarily like a happy mood, a sad mood, just me. I was just melancholy, and yeah, and oh, yeah. I just I have that where I feel balanced. Yes. In a way. Well, yeah. Spotify has those playlists, and so does Pandora. But Spotify has specific playlists like Spotify instrumental, better. like study music, or my boyfriend just broke up with me playlist or whatever right. it is, and they help so much because even though you're sad and you're listening to sad shit. It still makes you feel good at the end. You're like, wow, this music is perfect for my mood and emotions right now. I'm really connecting with it. I don't feel as bad anymore. So, yeah, I don't know. I definitely should start sorting out my playlist more. But, I don't know, music definitely helps. Yeah, you're I mean, singing in the office all the damn time. By I the do. way, 
This is Cody. I know I'm kind of like jumping in, but we're going to do a segment here together with Tyler. Hey. But I, I work with uh, Victoria here. And yes. I can tell you right now, she is, she likes to randomly start singing. <laughs> like something happens, she'll sing about it. Like it's just one of those things. She's going to like print a paper. She's going to sing about it. I'm like paper. his annoying little sister at work. And as much as he might not say that, I don't know. Could you admit to that? Would you oh, admit yeah, to that? Oh, yeah, definitely. <laughs> Definitely I'm definitely the annoying little sister in the office, but I do sing. I just just happens naturally, and it's not even like I'm trying to sound good. And most of the time, it's just like a joke. Yeah, no, but I think it, it kind of like even even though you say it's a joke, it's kind of one of those things that keeps you productive. Like it keeps your yes. mind busy. Yes. And sometimes, like that's what you need to do. Even when those things seem so distracting, sometimes it's not a distraction. It's just something that's keeping your mind busy when it's stagnant. So then when you got to work, you're like, bam, my mind's still working. Let's go. Let's get it. Well, also help me out with what I'm trying to say, because it's also when I do it, it kind of lightens the mood. I think that's the word that I'm looking for. When you're kind of super stressed out with what's going on. Right. I didn't mean to bang on the table, by the way. You <laughs> you're super stressed out with what's going on and you can just goof off and be yourself. And so I like that. Definitely no, man, don't try to hide away from it because it's just who I am. That makes sense. It's why it would help. Like, if you know, like you said, if you're sad, you listen to some like sad music. Right, so that way, what's outside matches what's inside, and now it seems normal. It seems like it's kind of—I don't know—like it almost brings it full circle to where you're able to just appreciate that mood and boil it down a little bit instead of just be like, "Well, I'm stuck in this funk." But now you're listening to music that kind of matches your mood, and you know that people created that music, so you're like, "Well, I'm not the only one going through this right yeah. now." So it's the same thing as kind of singing in the office. It's like whatever is inside, instead of letting it stay there, you kind of bring it out a little bit, and it balances you out and gives you a little bit more creativity and, and, and effort, especially whenever you make your own songs while you're doing stuff. Even if it's just printing paper, making rosters or whatever, that's still creativity and it makes your brain kind of activate on that left and right side. Yeah, so I absolutely. think that's what lightens the mood. And isn't it crazy if you really sit and think about how much your taste in music has changed over the years? Oh, yeah. I used to be super like into Alt-J. I don't know if you know who Alt-J is. I know who Alt-J is. Like super kind of hipster vibes. I don't know. That's how I would like describe it now, but I definitely like in like freshman, sophomore year of high school. That was my vibe. I listen to Alt-J now. Alt-J. I still do have them on Can my Can you playlist, explain but... to me what the fuck Alt-J is? Alt-J? Is I think six of their songs are on the yeah. Vampire Diaries soundtrack. Oh, that explains why I don't know it. <laughs> yeah, or like Iron and Wine. I used to be obsessed. Oh, I love Iron and Wine. Wine. Definitely no hate on those fans. Like, I love them, but it, it's I used to be all about that style of music, and now it's just all I freaking listen to is 90s alternative, 80s rock, and then maybe some early 2000s rock. Like, I'm just, I can't break that. I just, I grew up listening to that shit. Whenever I went through my, you can show me the album cover. I don't know. I still don't know what that is. It's iconic album cover. I'm super surprised that you don't know. Okay. I'm I'm sorry. I love, I love folk music like that's, that's my go-to i know i call i make fun of him Iron by the way you guys yeah, he good. i listen to coffee house <laughs> he literally a, every time i ride in his jeep and he turns his radio on it's like coffee house pop it's a or, satellite it's a satellite station and it's like it's called like coffee by the house way, who listens to the radio covers. anymore and no i'm kidding first off radio you can some good shit on there um but that's that's the kind of stuff i know so it makes it brings me to my level like it brings me to my 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 uh, equilibrium. Yeah, I also think that that kind of music you can listen to at with any 
Do you think like, the right angry now. music, like the angry music that you listen to, does it make you more angry or does it actually relax Honestly, you? Like, if, I'm, like, if, I'm getting, you if I'm trying to get pumped up in the gym, I'm probably listening to some fucking heavy metal guitar. You know what? I switch. Honestly, when I'm in the gym, um, I definitely have like a heavier playlist that has a lot of that just sick shit. But I'll switch it up sometimes. And I actually found it was um, it's a Viking like folk list where they play oh, war drums. Shit. And they just sing to it. Yeah. And that shit gets me pumped. Or like the Witcher video game soundtrack. Yeah. That is just that. engaging. Honestly, I I just get super pumped up with guitar and drums combined and then an awesome chorus in a rock song. If I'm I not were... like a super I'm not like a metal, like heavy metal. Like when I say metal, I'm probably not even referring to the correct category of music that I actually listen yeah, to. Good. No, uh, I don't I listen to Skillet. I don't know who that <laughs> pissed is. Pissed off a whole fan base. See, there. When, when people say Skillet, I think of Skrillex. He's <laughs> <laughs> no, pissed no, off a whole other group. I know. Right? <laughs> I like Skillet because you know I'm pansexual. But isn't that like a Christian band? Yes, it is. A lot of so, rock bands started as Christian bands. So you like them? Mm-hmm. <laughs> I'm sorry. First off, I can enjoy I'm an music. No, no, no. I can, I, that's actually a good point. It's like, funny. I'm I right. can enjoy music even though I, I can like I you know, don't get the message or I don't really resonate with the message. Yeah. Um, but thanks, two groups. <laughs> uh, but it's just good music. You're some Christian music. It's fucking good music. Like it's really? good to listen to. It's a nice little yeah. Beat, uh, you know? like, what's I'm that get Christian band? These. That Christian guy, Chris Tomlin. Yeah, Chris Tomlin. Fucking, or what? I will break down crying listening to that shit. Yeah, well, I get it. Like, it, that's that resonates with people. It sits with people. It helps people. And that's what I love about it. Um, it may not necessarily hit me the same way it hits, like, um, certain Christians or certain people of belief. Um, but it's still good music. I'm willing to it's admit great. that. It's Absolutely. good shit. Yeah, yeah, I think that that's kind of wrong if you sit and look at, well, depending on the circumstance. But if you look at a song that's written by someone who's Christian, you may not have a belief in that religion or a belief at all but the music's still good and it doesn't have to mean what it's, it means it's art. to other people exactly and it's and that's why music also really helps with that whole like when you feel overwhelmed or when you have those moments of like kind of anxiety or like a little panic or you're just like oh my god i need to get my breath you it doesn't matter like what you want to listen to as long as it resonates with you and you get something out of it that can kind of pull you away from that at the time and it starts to make things more clear like, I, I'll do it all the time. I actually listen to a lot of 1940s, 1950s, like Frank Sinatra, Ella Fitzgerald, yeah. Bobby Darin, Dean Martin, because the songs are just so, like, the, the lyrics are so simple, but they still hold a lot of value. And it's just that big band, like, that swing-type feel. And uh, there's blues notes, there's jazz elements. Like, it all comes together to where it's not super in your face, but it's still enjoyable and lighthearted. And I use that whenever I have a lot on my plate, and I want to start to sift through mm-hmm. it and make sense of things. Well, a lot of that music, that old music gets brought back to life in these newer songs that are getting created by artists. Yeah, I, I mean, I know you guys hear that all the time in like kind of from is. any genre, like I don't a like fucking that pop song like, from the seventies or eighties will get put into like a rap song by yeah, sampling, Tupac. Sampling, that's a great way yeah. to bring back. Like, I, I don't like that. Well, the new music nowadays isn't like the old boys. Well, no shit. It's called fucking like you're moving forward. You're changing. Like, you don't want to yeah. be exactly the same way. Yeah. Like nobody wants to be Frank Sinatra because you can't be Frank Sinatra. Well, but what people want to do is they want to take what Frank Sinatra gave the world and they yeah. want to make it their own. Make it their own. Yeah. And that's not disrespect to Frank Sinatra because that's a fantastic no, I think artist. A tribute. It's a yeah, tribute. I don't think that they're, they're claiming respect. Like that is what it's about. Respect. They're taking 
what pop music was then, and they're making it what it is now. And that is acceptable. That is fantastic. That's called moving forward as a society, you know? Art does that. We yeah. need to get over the fact either you just don't like it or you just you like it. There's none of this. Well, it's not as good. No, stop comparing it. Just stop. That's the thing, too, with music is you don't really have to, well, I don't like this, but it can get to, like, I don't like this, but I can appreciate it, and then, hey, this is what I like to listen to. And then you get that that kind of mixed playlist that you were talking about, Tori, yeah. whenever you're with friends and you just pass the aux cord kind of deal, and you I get to sample a little bit of what people like to listen to. As much as I want to take that aux cord and just listen to my shit because I can't stand a lot of what most people listen to, which I'm not trying to, like, be negative, like, all power oh, to you if you like that music. Taste. Sometimes you're just not in the mood for it. Yeah, and I I will never take it because most of the people I'll a have to skip a thousand fucking songs because they're all just not following the vibe. Please, Billie Eilish in the jukebox at the bar. So (laughs) yeah, everyone's like, wow. (laughs) Why do you have it on the jukebox? But uh, the biggest thing, though, like, I, I re- what I really want to know is, because um, back to the same question I asked, like, when you listen to angry music, does it make you angry? When you listen to sad music, does it make you, like, even sadder, or does it just sit with you and resonate? No, I think that it helps helps me deal with whatever I'm dealing with, and that doesn't necessarily have to be, like, this drastic thing, like, I'm dealing with, like, you know, God forbid, like, a death in the family or something, and I'm, I'm just sitting here, like, mourning. But if I had a bad day at work, or if someone said something that, I took the wrong way and it hurt my feelings. Or if I just got super anxious about something that was going to happen that day and worked myself up over it, I can sit and listen to that, you know, like kind of melancholy kind of music. Sometimes it's just going to keep me. That scale. Sorry. Sometimes I used to like tip that scale. So like with my emotions, like I'm an open person. I'll tell you anything. I'm an open book. I really hide nothing. You can ask any question. I'll, I'll, I'll answer it. Mm-hmm. But when it comes to my emotions and me handling them, I always just kind of keep them in. Like the real ones. Right. I'll tell you when I surface stuff to where you think you've got the full picture, but I keep my stuff in. But when it comes down to like, I know there's something heavy on me and I'm sad about it. Yeah. But it's not coming to the surface. Sometimes listening to that sad music and I get to think about why I'm sad or what makes me sad kind of brings it up. And it gets me to that point where I can finally like have that closure or that release of like experiencing like, hey, you're sad. Here it is. Cry it out. Get it out. Whatever. And then go for, you know, go from there. Yeah, it really helps you deal with whatever you have going on and allows you to better handle the situation. Whenever I am sad, I like listening to sad music. I really like listening to sad music. And it's not because I want to feel better. I'm that type of person because I firmly believe when you hurt, let it. You know, Let it hurt. Let it fucking hurt. There's no point in sitting that. That's just going to bring you down a much darker path. If you recognize your feelings if you're aware of them and i listen to the music and this is really sad fucking music yeah, when i was sure. heartbroken i listened to the most heartbreaking shit ever and i cried it sucked yeah but it also felt so good to feel something yeah, holding on to it, it. yeah you let it go you, you manifest it just... because it's it's you're sitting there thinking about it constantly and it's bothering you and if you just don't accept it for what it is and really do everything in your power whether we listen to music finding that outlet that works for you you have to be able to do everything that you can to try to relieve what you're feeling i really like that that was an awesome segment uh, i really appreciate you coming out Tori. we're definitely going to get you Thank on the you. music one too because this was a fun it. topic to have i think music's a fun thing to get into 
but that's that's one of the many ways that people use to kind of cope with anxiety or depression or feeling down or overwhelmed um we can definitely take that with us and uh bring a little bit of it maybe into the the, the second half but we're gonna take a quick break and we will be right back bye welcome back my b words um hopefully that last segment was uh educational and uh therapeutic for everyone um we're gonna go right into our second segment um the topic is depression but before we go into that we have sally with us say hey girl hey guys i'm here <laughs> to talk shit still <laughs> wonderful time uh, so uh so let's just get right on in it into it um so as before I want to go around and hear what people, how people would define depression. Uh, you can use personal anecdotes if you, if that's a way for you to explain it. But like, how would you guys define depression? Pass. Okay, <laughs> Sally, go. Um, okay, well, depression for me, I I can't say that I've ever been actually diagnosed with depression. The field that I work in, we I do. Um. I've seen women in full-blown depression, and it, it really is. It's a, it's a very sad, it's sad, but I, I've, I've felt it before, mm -hmm. and I don't know if it's just me just being extremely sad or whatever. But I, I don't know how to, how do you, how do you explain depression? I don't. I mean, I've never. Yeah, <laughs> I've never wanted to. I've never wanted to hurt myself or do anything like that. But I've not. I've not eaten for a week before. Does that count? Uh, <laughs> we'll come back to that maybe off the air, but okay. Uh, Tracy? How I would define depression, especially for myself, is a lack of, lock, a lack of motivation for an extended period of time and a lack of interest mm -hmm. um, for usually a week or more at a time where I literally want to do nothing. Mm -hmm. I, don't, I don't care to do anything. And I feel like um, suicide often comes along with depression because you want to end your own personal pain. Mm -hmm. Tyler? Um, yeah, no, I've, I like what Tracy said, where it's the lack of interest in things that normally would excite you. Um, small tasks, everyday tasks, small, like, it's hard to get out of bed. Like, you just kind of lay there and you're like, why? Mm -hmm. that's, that's the biggest that's thing I always ask point. is just why? No motivation. What's the yeah. point? And um, it's kind of just like the no one cares. I don't care. It's that lack of drive that really sets it in of that's not who I am. And I know it's different, but I don't feel the need to do anything about it. Cody? Uh, I see it as just you're exhausted with life. I guess dark and as that sound, we're talking about depression here, but uh, like you're just exhausted you're tired you're, you're tired of being it's just it's not just sadness anymore mm -hmm. like even sadness doesn't mean anything it's just you just feel nothing. done feel nothing yeah numb numb is the worst thing to feel is to not be able to feel anything at all but feel everything at the same time is that is a state of an oxymoron yeah. it's, there's a lot of oxymorons in absolutely there. i agree but it's it is but it made perfect fucking yeah, sense. Yeah, exactly. so, so perfectly, yes. Bar? Yeah. It's honestly just feeling that, which is lack of emotion coming into, in, into your 
soul or your being or anything like that. It's just like you're completely tired. You're you're fed up. That's where I was like. You're fed up with just life and you don't want it anymore because the amount of bull crap that's coming in and it just eventually builds up and builds up and your body, your brain or whatever it is, is just telling you and you're telling yourself that I, I'm just done. You know, I, I don't want to get up. I'm tired or I don't want to see anyone. I just, I just want to be over with this kind of thing. Absolutely. I, I totally concur. Um, I would, describe it as a sense of hopelessness um i mean just reiterating what you guys have said um lack of motivation not feeling like doing anything tired those are all common symptoms one thing i want to address though there's a big difference between clinical depression and just feeling sad and i feel in the general uh public view a lot of people feel like i'm sad (gasps) I must depressed. be depressed. Self-diagnosis. Yeah. It's, it's you know, easily done. Yeah, there's this whole subculture of emo kids that yeah, would glorify depression. Well, maybe not glorify, but at least that's how the media presents it. Maybe some people who don't understand it, they would make fun of people who uh, embrace that subculture and therefore alienate people who are actually feeling that type of, uh, that uh, that have clinical depression. Right. And so on my standpoint of that, like I see, so I work in OBGYN. So I see the, we have a, uh, it's called six weeks postpartum. Okay. Mm-hmm. So after they have a child, six weeks after that, they come in for a whole nother visit. And honestly, I would go as far as to say eight out of 10 of our patients these days in 2020, here we are, um, come back with postpartum depression and, uh, you know, some of them we can say, you know, like it's just withdrawals of having the fetus, if you will, inside of them. They, you know, they had full control and all of that kind of thing. But now it's a, it's, it's a, it's a whole aspect. That's like a whole other topic, yeah. honestly. Mm-hmm. But it is a, it is a form of depression that I, before, before working in an OBGYN, I had no knowledge of. And then now it's. It really is. It's something to see a woman go through. You And I, I've seen her for nine months. You know what I mean? Be this person. This just vibrant and just pregnant people really glow. I don't know. It doesn't matter. It's just weird. There's not, not, they don't all glow, but some of them really do. But, you know, there's certain ones that will come through and I know their personality because I've been with you for nine months now. And now I see you postpartum. And you're just, you're down in the dumps. You can't say a positive thing about yourself. She, you come in crying. You're what, and it's just, it, it really takes a toll on you. And that's like, it's, it's crazy to see the amount of changes a woman's body goes through hormonally and physically, especially after giving birth is traumatic. Mm -hmm. And so Mm -hmm. it, it, um, for me though, I suffered through postpartum depression. Um, I didn't feel like I needed to be clinically treated because I saw it as a lot is changing really, really fast. Mm -hmm. And that's, you just, there's an adjustment period. So that's, that's one thing. I think people should realize the causes for depression. I think, is that where you're going with Tony? Yeah. The right on the dot, because 
it, it's crazy because remember we were watching that one show. It's, it's a great show and it's very eye opening for me I because I don't I don't really I am all for like I will stand up for women and tell you how powerful women are because I love women. Just don't mansplain. <laughs> there, no, I don't he do that. <laughs> I absolutely love women, but only like half, like half of my love. Every women. other day. Every other day. I'm gay on the weekdays because that's work. Um, but it's it's crazy, and to kind of bring it back around, not to just like sit here and focus on postpartum, but Sorry. postpartum depression. No, 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 you're good. Uh, postpartum depression is such a great example because it tells you how um, how vastly different depression is for everybody, mm-hmm. and even giving birth is vastly different. You said the word trauma, how traumatic it is. There were yeah. some women who were like, yeah, I'll do that again tomorrow. There's some women like, that was the worst experience of my life. It was so traumatic for me. It sent me into a deep, dark depression. And that really yes. brings it back around. I, I wasn't merely talking about the trauma of giving birth. No, the, the trauma, the of, trauma pregnancy of everything and, changing. Right. Like, that's what I'm saying. Changing Your entire life. Right. Yeah. And people handle that trauma differently. What do you think, Tyler, as far as like causes for depression? Well, I mean, it, it comes with each person, you know, the way that you see yourself and then you go through something and then however far that journey can go, whatever you're experiencing, it takes you to a different self. And there's going to be a moment where you're in a mirror or you're, you're not, you're not yourself. You realize that you recognize it. And I think that's, that's the crashing wave that kind of sets in of, why am I like this? Like, why are we here mm. now? And it's the overwhelming feeling of this isn't me, but how do I get back to me? And that's such a complex question to tackle by yourself. Right. Absolutely. So a strong network is definitely something that would help with any root cause of depression or anxiety. That As long as you understand that, hey, this isn't me, and you recognize it, and then you find those people like your, your persons mm-hmm. that you can go to and trust and say, hey, like... I've been different. I'm sure you've seen it. And then try to start to work back to something. Absolutely. I totally support support groups. We, I feel like when people get into depression, they tend to isolate themselves. And everyone copes with it differently. Right. Um, you know, well, I mean, also self-destructive yeah, there's that. Uh, <laughs> but, but I want to encourage people who sometimes they feel that they're a bother. Oh, I'm going through this. And they, yeah, no one wants to hear it. So they, so they set themselves down, and then they establish that kind of mentality. So, hey, this is me. This, I'm a depressed person. There's, there's nothing else I can do. You're already feeling hopeless, so you're even digging yourself even deeper. And their whole time going through the whole depression, told themselves that no one wants to hear Mm -hmm. at that those early stages, and then when it starts progressing and getting more severe and maybe self destructive. That whole time they're feeling like I have no one. Yeah. Talk to um, so one thing, a lot of so there's a lot of contributing factors. There's environmental influences. Mm-hmm. There's personal influences, mm-hmm. i.e., you know, uh, insecurities and just letting yourself down. But there's also genetic. Um, there you go. Yeah. So like, if you have a history, or if your family has a history of. Uh, mental illness or with depression that could also cause it so maybe that's why some people are like what's wrong with me because not a lot of people want to talk about that right. maybe in the family because it's taboo or maybe some people don't even know yeah that they would have that in their like be predisposed to having depression see i guess i'm a little different i'm i'm kind of the insensitive insensitive kind of person but i don't think 
teach her again, but I don't think depression is genetic. Okay. And what we were talking about just a second ago, I don't think it's genetic. I see it through my sister all the time, and I call my sister whack job, but that's just me because I love my sister. And only you can say that, right? <laughs> yeah, only you can say that. But, terms, terms of endearment. Yeah, but... What a hell of a term. Words of affirmation. Full <laughs> <laughs> circle. Yeah, yeah. But I, I really don't think it's genetic. I, I honestly think with a lot of things, like we were talking about earlier, anxiety, it's, it's all through things that have happened through your past leading up to where you are now. Yeah. Whether it be children, I, I can't give a point into that because I'm not a female. I, I can't, you know, give birth. But uh, it's, for me, it's more or less. Something that happens over time kind of with your past. Yeah. And I'm on your side with that. Yeah. I'm on your side because that's hard to justify. I get it. There, there's probably the was predisposition. Um, but with that, <laughs> While you're developing a child, you just said that you can go you through these changes and you can have that depression. Does that depression alter that child's genes right then and there? No, I don't think I, for me, the ge genetic predisposition. So my mother um, suffered with depression for years and went through multiple suicide attempts um, as I was developing. Now, for me looking in, I, I feel like not so much genetically as we have a gene mutation. But as she taught me some negative ways to deal with depression yeah. mm -hmm. while learning through her, right. you know. So it's a learned trait. It's not it can an inherited trait. Like, okay. So that just makes me think about nature versus nurture. Nature versus nurture. Precisely. Right? And it's Absolutely. like, I'm glad that you brought that up because that's why it's just, there is no definitive answer to that whole concept because of this these situations you learned ways to deal with depression through some of the things that your mom did when you were growing up mm -hmm. you feel like your sister is a certain way maybe because of just because she's just a whack any, job it's just it's crazy and it's something that's just not understood and it just blows my mind I just okay. well when i was saying genetic <clears throat> so your serotonin levels and your dopamine levels there, there's certain pathways in your brain that release those, um, release those, you know, the feel-good drug, essentially. Genetically, sometimes those receptors might not catch it all or might not distribute it enough. So you feel all these lows, and then your body's like, oh, no, I got to fix this, and you get those highs. So that goes into bipolar disorder, yeah. where you have that mania where you're, like, happy-go-lucky, you're the life of the party and then nosedive into depression. And yeah. people are like, what the hell? I, every time I see. Uh, well, that mania doesn't have to be high highs. It could also it present itself in self-destructive behavior. Sure. Well, you guys want to talk about that? Oh, <laughs> self-destructive behavior. Yeah. So what are some things like, that. Maybe oh, okay. while I'm manic, I am extremely sexually active with strangers. <laughs> oh no! Okay, like I, I get. Don't that laugh point. at her. Yeah, sorry. Jeez. <laughs> well, no, it's a good point because that's like a connection with someone. I get that. Like, not me. I don't. I'm not. Yeah, he's very monogamous. <laughs> very, very monogamous. I call bullshit because I lived with this man. For you a saw year. my penis one time <laughs> in the doorway. When you say don't look naturally, I must look. <laughs> But with those things, the self-destructive behaviors, I think it's important, especially for support structures, to identify it. Don't assume, but like see those things and and 
you know, show some concern. Voice, yeah. Um, I would like for for example, if someone's drinking too much, I'm like, hey, are you cool? What's going on? And usually they'll bat it off. Or the first hey, few times at least. Yeah, okay. <laughs> or like if you notice um I don't know, uh cuts on yeah, on their arms. Some people I don't particularly agree with it, but some people do it as a coping mechanism for control. Well, that it's it's about for me when I went through my cutting phase, it was about externalizing the internal pain. Yeah, control. I I was yeah, I see that. It's since I knew somebody really close to me. I sh I'm not gonna say names. names. No, yeah, don't. Do I'm that. not even gonna use pronouns. But this person, they, this person, they decided one day that they weren't feeling anything. Mm -hmm. So they told me I I just took a blade to my wrist and I just is one cut is all it was. And that person was like, I felt something. That's all I needed. And that broke my heart. Yeah, because that's kind of scary to put into perspective. Well, that, they're going to try to feel But I, I How many times do people drink the extra drink they shouldn't drink? Exactly. Or smoke the cigarettes they know right, are right. I'm not, I'm not, I'm not saying, I'm not putting it on a level. I like, I'm not right, comparing right, different right. ways of dealing with that type of stuff. I'm just saying that that's the way this person dealt with it. Mm -hmm. And this is what really turned me. Like it really kind of opened my eyes up to this type of behavior and this type of feeling because mm -hmm. it never really struck me before. And I myself even went through depression during this mm -hmm. time and even I was just, I was shocked by this type of like this, this, this action. And I was just, I did not know what to do. And y'all know me. I, I'm, I like to think I know my words pretty well. I was taken aback. Yeah, I just, I just, I, I just asked. I was just, I just want to know why. I just want to, I just want to know that you won't do it again. I just, I, that's what I want to know. I don't like people hurting themselves and I don't like people hurting other people. And those are my two big things. And this person hurt themselves. And I wasn't expecting it to come from this person. And it just... Well, Tracy was saying earlier, you just kind of have to be there for that person. Yeah. With whatever they're going through. Because there's not... You just don't want to take that wrong step or push it too far and try to act like you know exactly what they're going through. Especially in a situation like this where you just didn't know. Yeah. But at the same time, don't um, internalize that responsibility. Absolutely. But when is when is the appropriate time to step over that? When do you have that intervention? Like, well, most of the time. I guess my perspective on this, again, is, is kind of weird. Because I'm that type of person. I'd rather just let everyone leave me alone. I'm, I'm a loner. Everyone knows I'm a loner. I don't like talking to people. I don't like people. Mm -hmm. And most of, time, people yeah, most, of time, most of the time. Yeah. Most of the time. Most of the time. The only time that you can intervene is when the action is already done, when it's already too late. Um, that does suck, but I don't think it has to be like the word intervention, right? Like it doesn't have to be such a brand. Yeah. Intervention. You know, it, it can start small. It can just start with noticing that something's off about somebody and just kind of talking like, hey, you okay? Mm -hmm. and, and they say they everything's it, okay. Even if they bat it, like, okay, well, I'm here. And then you start noticing a trend of, hey, you said it was okay, it's not okay. Hey, you said it's okay, it's still not okay. Like, do we need to talk? Be and, in a safe place. Yeah, and like, you know, and if, even if you're not that safe place and you recognize it in a person that might not trust you in a way that can confide in you, 
still ask them like, hey, it might not be me, but I've recognized this over time and I want to let you know that I care. But if I'm not your person or I'm not your place, what is? Who is? And then just point them in a direction of someone that might not have recognized it, but now needs to be brought to light and they can help that person. I mean, sure. I think a lot of people, they have their, I'm sorry if I said that kind of blase or whatever. Like yeah, this, yeah, it wasn't dismissive at all. I'm sorry. <laughs> um, what I was trying to focus on is I feel a lot of people have questions of what to do. Right. Yeah. A lot of people don't know what to do. <laughs> yeah, it's like when you see, like uh, yeah. me personally, I see someone cry. I'm like, oh, I don't know what to do, but I'll try and help you. Pat on the back, like you, you're good, buddy. Just you know, wipe the tears off and get back to so, it. But I get, I was raised by farmer families, so I'm just <laughs> like, you know, stop freaking crying, you baby. I get can't back to work. Your emotion. Yeah, you're <laughs> like there's got to be shit done. Sorry, go ahead. No, I'm, I'm totally like I would want to be that safe place too. But when is being that safe place, like when do you have to draw that line as well? Because if they feel like they can come to you, but also could keep continuing, you know, the things that they're doing that is like really bad for this individual. When you see that it's progressing, where do you draw that line and make it just like, what, like, what are you saying? Yeah, you don't want to be that person that's like, you can't be too, yeah. you well, have to you let can, them know that there is an issue. You again. can also make recommendations for the therapist. Yeah, absolutely. Right. Even though that makes place. that makes people uncomfortable yeah, for so some reason. Does, yeah. What? Oh. No, no, go ahead. Go ahead, Tyler. No, that's, that's what I was going to say. That that's the line that draws between that personal and then professional help. I think personal is a lot more easy to approach because it's somebody that you can connect with and try to get it out. But like Tori said, if if they keep coming to you or to their person or whatever their their support group and it's not helping, it's just kind of a way to vent, but they're still stuck in that place. Maybe professional help is the way to go. It's not the easiest route to go because that's kind of a stranger yeah. that you know going expensive. into that, you know going into that, like their 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 profession is breaking people down and in order to build them back up. But that's scary yeah. for anyone already going through something that's caused them to be in a way they are. And now you have to approach this total stranger. And it's expected that you're going to get broken down yeah. in front of them. And that's that's nerve-wracking. You don't want to push them away either. If you're like, hey, you know, I would recommend this, you know, or these avenues. Um, and then they're like, whoa, whoa, I thought that I was, that it was okay that we, we spoke with each other. And, you know, why are you doing this to me? Why do you think that I have this issue? You know I'm trying to work on it. Well, it's like... In that this is good communication. Like, yes, I will always be here while you're working through it, but I don't have the resources that and, I think could really help. And you don't want to placate their behavior. Like, oh, I can tell you about this, but nothing's actually going to be solved. Mm -hmm. Like, they're, to me, they're neat. I have this mentality of trying to fix things. So, sure, I'll be there. But after a certain while, I'm like, nothing is being accomplished. You're still feeling the way you're feeling. I don't think you want to feel that way. And sometimes some people do, whether they want to admit it or not, because it's comfortable. It's what they're used to. And it's getting old. yeah, getting outside of that dark place is scary. They're like, oh, I don't want to feel good. And then, boom, I hit the ground again. I hit rock bottom. So I just want to kind of put this, just kind of plant this here. Um, somebody said the best thing I've ever heard somebody said, and I can't re recall who said it specifically. Um, I think it might've been Lindsay. Um, they said that we need to stop normalizing the behavior and start normalizing getting treatment. Mm 
Because yeah. right now we're at a point where it's so weird for people to go talk to therapists. It's so weird. Oh, I hate therapists. Well, I think I think we need. They to, love you. You can you can tell you can tell people. I personally don't like going to a therapist. However, it may be beneficial for you if we normalize it like that. Instead of saying like, "Oh, don't go to a uh, what do they call shrink a shrink." Don't go to a shrink. <laughs> shrink. That's what a therapist well, is. Don't do that. Don't so, don't make that weird. I found it very positive to see professional help. Although there were always some people in my life that would call it like quackery, like. Right. Right, like or not, not really below me, but they didn't see it as a means for helping because they hadn't been there, and they hadn't really given it a shot. Right, and so in my experience, it's a lot. No, I'm not going to say it like that. It is difficult Mm -hmm. for men to seek help. Absolutely, um, because there's a stigma that if you go get help, therefore you are not strong. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So, so one thing I want to stress. Is that what we've been talking about is disorders, clinical depression. I think people need to understand that depression is good. It's your body's way of getting out that stress in your body. You don't want to ignore it. You don't want to disregard it. You don't. You definitely don't want to bottle it up. But it's good. Like if you go through grief or if you go through a bout of loss. Or childbirth. Or that too. <laughs> a good cry is a good cry, y'all. Yeah. Fuck yeah. It's, it's normal to go through, you know. Yeah, but but you feel like people want to like not. I don't want to be depressed. I don't want to be sad. I don't want to. Well, of course, because it's a terrible fucking feeling. So but you have to do that. Yeah, and I'm I'm all for. It. I, I I'm the one that's. Well, no, that. like like I I bottle. I get that. Like you can agree. Like I I I have lack of emotion yeah, to a lot of people. Twat. Yeah, but I bottle, and for me, like you were saying, like don't. Don't not acknowledge it, if mm-hmm. that makes sense. But I, I, I can do that. I can be like, okay, I'm not depressed. I'm not depressed. Like, that's just how I am. Like, I, 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 I like, okay, how do I put it? Like, I lost a kid. Big whoop. And that's how I am. I'm like, okay, buck up, buttercup, and get the hell on with your life. I'm okay, let's go. And that's how I am. And I'm just like, okay, but I get it. There's different forms of depression and how you deal with it. But People. me, I bottle it up and I just keep walking because it's easier to do that way. It's it's easier for certain people or different people to compartmentalize Mm -hmm. certain things than other people can. I mean, I've seen it just even that for an instance, like I hate to keep bringing up the fact that I work in OBGYN, but it's, it's so easy to see. It's your wheelhouse mama. (laughs) (laughs) I don't have children, but I love them all the same, but it's so easy for certain couples to go through a miscarriage, if you will, and they'll go through it. And some of them are able to put it, you know, put it behind them and move on. And like, let's try again. But others can't get past that. Like they lost a child that they, it's a child to them and they lost a child and they can't move past it. And so it just depends on the person that you're a very strong willed person, which there's nothing wrong with that at all. And there's nothing wrong with, uh, compartmentalizing that way, but it's just, it's harder for others. Yep. Keep going. <laughs> harder for others to, to deal with it. Like we all have our certain ways of handling our own feelings. Cause every, every person is unique. They're their own individual. Mm-hmm. Um, I just want to put this out there. If anyone feels like they need help or know someone that they need help, we just want to 
um, give out the information to the National Suicide Prevention Hotline, uh, 1-800-273-8255, because it is very important. Even if you just need someone to talk to, not necessarily someone to tell you things, but someone to listen, mm -hmm. these people can help out with that. Um, would anyone like to close out with any things they want to say or any advice or any words of love? May I? Sure, Cody. Yes. <laughs> um, words of love. Very important one. You're all loved. No matter what, no matter who you're with, no matter who you have, no matter who you're around, somebody mm -hmm. out there loves you um, no matter what. And like Jason said, it's don't don't feel abnormal. Don't don't feel don't feel like you're just weird and you're out of place when you're going through this. This is yours. You take it. You own it. You are not alone. That's always an important one that brought me up. Keep pushing. There you go. Tyler? It seems hard now. I know it seems overwhelming, but a little bit at a time. One day at a time. Mark? Nothing. All yeah. right, there we go. <laughs> yeah, I guess it's sometimes, not, sometimes what yeah. what has been said, you know. Well, it's not that they don't have nothing. It's just that you know, it 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 is hard at first, but in the end, you'll notice that in the long run, depression is always temporary. It, it is. It, it, you may think it's a long-lasting effort, a struggle, but it's it, every moment in our life is always just a temporary thing, and just keep trucking. Absolutely. I agree with that. We all have, we can all manage. Um, so I just want to say thank you guys for listening to us. I hope this was not too heavy for everyone. Maybe next time we'll have a fun topic. Like if you could fight a bear your size. No, could no, you? no, no. It's a good topic. You still want that topic. No. <laughs> Any anyway, uh, thank you guys. Uh, Y'all have a good day and Peace. Bye. See you later. Bye. <laughs>